The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Amen. And what a, what a glorious time it is to be in the house of the Lord. For the last several weeks, I've been sharing with you a Nothing But the Blood series. And uh, this morning is going to be no different. Uh, in fact, tonight, I hope you'll come back. We've mentioned it before. Uh, but we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, service this evening. And we will gather at 6 o'clock this evening and just have a time of worship, a time of remembrance of all that the Lord has done for us uh, in His death and in His sacrifice for us. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. We've been looking at uh, for several weeks now, nothing but the blood, that the blood of Jesus impacts, influences, and changes our life. There's so much that the blood of Christ does for us. Uh, And this morning, I just want to look just briefly here this morning at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. The title is Spiritual Intimacy, that, that through the blood of Christ... We have been brought into this union, this relationship that is spiritually intimate, that is personal, that is passionate, that's practical. That is, uh, so look, at, look with me here in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Let me just read this passage, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision, that done in the body by hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate. From Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. Amen to that. For he himself is our peace. He made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. The purpose was to create uh, out of the two, uh, himself one, a new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, meaning Christ, his death, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently... We are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, too, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Talking about spiritual intimacy this morning, just to share with you briefly the blood of Jesus. I love that verse, verse 13, but now, but now, thank you, Lord, for that button in the scripture, that little word. Because prior to that, he gives the plight of what, uh, not just the Gentiles, but all of us outside of Christ. But God in Christ Jesus, those that were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. I've shared it for several weeks now. There's some common themes when we talk about redemption, the atonement, we talk about forgiveness of sin. And, there, and you're going to hear these, you know, these common things even this morning. Please don't allow that to just roll over you too quickly because what Christ did for us on the cross, no one else could ever do. We couldn't do it for ourselves. That was the plight of humanity. That was our uh, issue that had to be dealt with. That was the, that was the gulf that had to be covered and, and literally had to be bridged 
And it was through Christ and his death and his atoning sacrifice that we are allowed to be spiritually intimate, brought near to God through Christ Jesus. All right, so here we go. In the very beginning of this, he says, therefore, in verse 11. And you know in your Bible when it says, therefore, you need to know what it's there for. The previous 10 verses of, the, of chapter 2 talk about the theme of it. In chapter 2, verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. This was how we used to live in our former way of life. Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, and he's specifically addressing the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish people. In other words, he brings out and he reminds them of what they were before Christ. Uh, MacArthur makes this statement. I like it. Nothing more inspires gratitude in a saved sinner than to look back to see the pit from which he has come. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about your upbringing. I share it a little bit in Bible study. I share it all the time. I tend to gravitate towards my testimony a little bit. I mean, the truth is, I didn't grow up in church. Now, some of y'all didn't grow up in church either. I was almost 20 years old when I came to know Christ personally as my Lord and Savior. But friend, nothing more inspires gratitude in a saved sinner than to look back and see the pit to which he's been come from. Whether that pit that you came out of was religious or not, to the Gentile believers... Uh, that, that were in the church in Ephesus, they knew that the life that they had prior to Christ was horrible and wretched. It was without hope, without God in this world. And I, and I just want to challenge us today, as we celebrate tonight the Lord's Supper, good night, God inspire us, God help us, refresh and renew us in our heart. God, let us come forth with great gratitude as we enter this season. Lord, help us. God, let us not walk through this in just the, 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 the Palm Sunday and the Easter Sunday and all this beautiful times of the year to celebrate the death and, yes, the resurrection of Christ. Let it not be commonplace. Don't let us just treat it like it's just something, oh, yeah, just No, no. Let God remind us of where we've come from. Friend, every one of you, I would assume if I came around this morning give a little testimony about what you came from, uh, you could share and tell and describe and proclaim the pit to which you came out of. And thanks be to God that he's so gracious. You know, Gavin shared earlier about drifting away and how, yes, believers can drift, but there may be some of you adrift this morning. I mean, that's the truth of it. God's brought you here today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've been prayed for. God's already, we've been praying already. What? Not just you to come. I don't want you just to come to church. I want you to come and be, be you reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about spiritual intimacy. I don't want you to hear me, some preacher up here talking. I want you to live it. Jesus died that we might have life and life more abundantly. Life does not consist in the abundance of things. No, 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 no. Never has, never will. It's fleeting. You can't buy enough stuff that will satisfy your soul. But one who knows you can satisfy every bit of you. To God be the glory. You want to know fullness of life? It's in Christ alone. That's what the Bible says. So, friend, you may be here today. You may be searching. You may be adrift. Good night. I was many years ago. Certainly. I didn't know the Lord. I was not just drifting. I was heading straight to hell full speed ahead. Right? Whether you were in that boat or whatever boat you're in, friend, I want you to tell me there's a God that loves you and has a great and wonderful plan for your life. You're not here by coincidence or accident this morning. God in His great, wonderful love and grace and mercy has drawn you here to let you know, to hear this preacher say, there is a gospel that is real. Jesus is alive. His death on the cross wasn't for just in vain, but it was for you personally. Please hear that today. I know it's amazing. How in the world could God could love somebody like me? 
I've asked that question. The truth is, he does because of the, his death on the cross. We've already, I know, we've done preached some of that, but I want you to hear me. There's nothing that inspires gratitude in our hearts more than, what, looking back to which he's come from. And even as a believer in Christ, friend, it's good that God reminds us and takes us on that journey to see where we've come from. But well, listen, we don't stay there because we're heading somewhere in Jesus. But to the Christians here in Ephesus, he was reminding these Gentile, particularly Gentile Christians, who they were formerly. Uh, and so, so one of the first things that I want to say is this. There was a past alienation that these Christians had suffered. They had gone through. In other words, they knew their their fallenness. They, how did they know it? There were two ways, socially and spiritually. For the Gentiles in the first century, they were social outcasts. What do I mean by that? They, you see it in the scripture here. They were called uncircumcised. That done in the body by the hands of men. In other words, they weren't part of that group that was set apart for the Lord. We know that in the scripture. And unfortunately, the Jewish people oftentimes would rub it in their noses. And there was disdain for those that were not Jewish and here, this little church in Ephesus, you've got people from all kinds of racial backgrounds coming together, and you've got some saying, no, you've got to be a Jew, some saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do these certain things to be accepted before God. And, Paul, and Paul's reminding them, listen, let me remind you who you used to be. You, 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 in other words, you were distant, you were outcast socially. You were, you were not allowed to be into uh, uh, the ceremonies. You weren't allowed into the temple. None of those things. You were, like, you, were, you were an outcast when it comes to spiritual things. Um, not only that, but spiritually. And here's where it really the rubber meets the road. Paul describes them as separate from Christ and the Messiah. They had no hope of a Savior or Deliverer. Make no mistake, outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope. And to the Gentiles, there was none whatsoever. And Paul's reminding them, hey, you had no hope outside of Christ also, they were excluded from Israel. I shared that earlier socially, but also spiritually. They, they weren't allowed to come into the feast and to celebrate the, the wonderful days of atonement. All those things, they were on the outside looking in. They were also alienated from the covenants of God. Go back to Abraham's covenant, and then the future covenants through the Davidic covenant through which the Messiah comes. They were excluded. They were outside of that looking in. Every single time, they were on the outside looking in. Strangers, the scripture says, to the covenants of promise. And last, Paul, kind of, kind of the climax of his description of them before Christ, he says, you were without God in the world. Literally hopeless. For the Gentiles, they were spiritually alienated. They had no hope, no hope, no Christ, no covenants, no promise of a future hope. Literally, completely without God. Um, now, that moves me to these present realities that Paul then moves. Because he shifts from this moment. He reminds them what they were, but then he moves into what the present life is all about. And he said, and this is the turning point in the passage in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. That means you were brought personally, intimately, into this union with the Lord Jesus Christ. What ceremonies couldn't do, what, what gatherings couldn't do, there was a union and an intimacy that only was accomplished through the blood of Jesus. Thanks be to God for the sacrifice of Christ. And it wasn't just some historical event, but it has a historical event that has meaning and purpose in our lives today. You want to know Christ? You want to know God personally? It's only through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, nobody's going to come unto the Father but through Him and Him alone. 
Now, as I shared this morning in life group, oftentimes, even so today, when you preach the blood of Jesus and the death of Christ and the necessity of it, there are some today that will scoff at that and say, oh, no, 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 that's just a made-up something, something, whatever. And they'll act like it's not a big deal. Friend, I want you to hear me. Hear me loud and clear. If you want hope, there's only one who has it to extend to you today. You want peace that passes all understanding? There's only one who owns it. He said it right here. I'm, I came to preach peace to those who are far away and those who are close. But don't miss this. The scripture says in verse 14, He is our peace. Personal. Personal. The Lord Jesus Christ is. He says, I am. In other words, God in the flesh. And he took that life in our place to the cross. He shed his blood so that me and you might know him personally. Brought near through the blood of Jesus. In fact, in this passage of scripture, there's a lot going on here in the church of Ephesus. Jesus is our peace. And in fact, the scripture says he made the two uh, one, and has destroyed this barrier or removed this barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And make no mistake, there was tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Even when they came into the house of the Lord, there was tension there. But it's in Christ. He abolished all that. He got rid of all that. He Literally, he says here in the scripture that he made a new man, a newness and, and a different as far as kind. In other words, it was a brand new day. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're no longer a Jew or a Gentile. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. And in that, God has radically forever changed our demeanor, our life, our person, so that now we've been able to what? Come together with people, brothers and sisters from all over the world in peace. The peace that was given to us through our Lord Jesus himself. He destroyed it completely. But, but the greater... Peace that was given. I've said I've said this several times already. The greater peace that He has given to us is the peace that we have now with God Almighty. Friend, please hear me. Your heart will never be at rest until you come to Christ's person as your Lord and Savior. There is no other way. And I know this preacher gets it keeps on preaching. I'm telling you, I keep saying it because there is no way. You can fill your life with all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff. In fact, he's reminding them, look. Ordinances couldn't do it. Ceremonies couldn't do it. Sacrifices couldn't do it. All these good deeds couldn't make up the peace between men and God. But praise be to the Lord, Jesus did the work in His sacrifice Himself on the cross. Jesus accomplished this peace between man and God forever and ever. The assurance of heaven is, is, is known to us because of the peace that God has given to us today right now. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation, which he talks about here in this passage, which we've mentioned before, that the cross represents God's way of dealing with sin in our lives and forever, forever joining us together in this new covenant through the blood of Jesus. It's a peace of God. Now, I will say to you, and some of y'all are with me on Wednesday night, we've memorized some scripture, tried to anyway, you know, we're working on it. Um, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but anyway, we're working on it. Here, here's what I want to say. MacArthur makes this statement. Peace only comes, through, comes when what? Self dies. And the only place self truly dies is at the foot of the cross at Calvary. Paul made this statement. It's our memory verse for this month. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life in which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. 
Friend, if you want to know peace, peace comes when I come to that place in my life where I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. I cannot figure it out. I can't make it work. I've got to come and relinquish control of my life and surrender. That's a word. It's a word we don't say much today, but it's a surrendered life that leads to peace that passes all understanding. If you want to know God intimately and personally, you've got to come to the end of yourself and acknowledge that it's only through faith in the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that was given at the cross, that we have this incredible peace with God. There's no other way. Now, the other thing that I would say to you talking about this present reality, as he mentions here, is access to God. In fact, in verse 18, he says, by through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, when he says access, he means that literally. And if you remember in your Bible, when Jesus died on that cross, the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. It symbolized to the Jews in that day. Of course, they were freaking out probably over the whole scene. But it was a spiritual significance that there's no longer a barrier between those covered under the blood of Jesus and the Lord God Almighty. You can walk into the Holy of Holies. You can be intimate and personal with the Lord God. You, we have access to God with Him. The resources of the fullness of God are now available to all children of God who have come under the blood of Jesus. It's a beautiful, actual, intimate relationship that has practical implications in our everyday life. This is a beautiful, wonderful, glorious thing. We have access to the Lord God Almighty. No longer, Jeremiah prophesied, you have to tell your neighbor or turn to someone tell them about the Lord. No, no, no. You can know Him personally and call upon His name. You can walk with Him, talk with Him, listen to Him, and enjoy this incredible fellowship with the Lord. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Friend, listen to me here. If there's ever a day that we need access, we need to hear from the Lord and listen to the Lord and understand from the Lord, wisdom from the Lord is today. I've heard many people talk about the urgency to turn to Christ today. Some people even talk about the time is drawing near to turn to Christ. Don't mistake this at all. Our access to God is available. Friend, if you have access to God, then I employ you to personally and practically pursue, surrender, seek the Lord with all your heart. The Bible says, seek Him first and foremost, and He'll provide all these other things unto you. Make no mistake, God loves it when His children come into that personal, intimate communion with Him. Tonight, we're going to celebrate communion. And yeah, don't get me wrong, we're going to have some bread and wine. Not really wine, it's the juice. You know what I'm talking about. But, uh, but, but hear me, it's not about those things. In remembrance of him, yes, you remember his body that was broken and his blood that was spilled. But remember the effect of that. Please don't miss that. If all we do is come and eat a little bread and drink some juice and go home, we have missed it. We have missed it. His death on the cross has forever, forever dealt with this chasm, this gulf between man and God. He alone has bridged the gap. He is the bridge. You can walk by faith across it to a fellowship personal and intimately with the Lord. Three things here about this future fulfillment that I'm going to describe. He, he says it here. Consequently, in light of all these things, he sums it up for us in chapter 2. You know, the good news, you're no longer foreigners or aliens. And in fact, he says here, you're citizens of God's kingdom. What a beautiful testimony. Whether you were former strangers or outcasts, doesn't matter. All believers in Christ have become fellow citizens in God's kingdom with all the saints. From every age, all that have trusted in God. God's kingdom has no strangers, praise the Lord, no aliens, no second class citizens are in God's kingdom. And I, and I would submit to you, God's kingdom is, is one of these 
uh, that we realize today but have not fully realized it yet. That's why I talk about a future fulfillment. In, in other words, as a child of God in the kingdom of God, listen, there's one king and you're not it. Y'all know that? I'm talking about myself right now. I'm not... So we have to take the throne. We have to get off the throne. we got to relinquish those rights, and we have to come to the real king and bow down. I mean, as a child of God, humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you at work. I need you at school. I need you to live every single day for your glory. But make no mistake, he's a king. He's a king, and he's coming. Today's the day. That's why the Bible says today's the day of salvation. You know why? Because today you have the day to, to come before the King Jesus and submit and surrender today. Trust in Him today. Second, not just in citizen of God's kingdom, but we're members of God's family. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. You know, we had the joy this morning. Austin, Emily, and Cooper come down here and it's just a beautiful picture of a family wanting to dedicate their son unto the Lord to really acknowledge that God gave them and God blessed them with Him but let me just remind all of us, we're part of a family that's so much bigger than what we see right here, even in this room. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of the family of God. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, you've got to remember the Gentile Christians here in Ephesus were used to looking in from the outside. They weren't allowed to participate. They weren't allowed to come on the inside and enjoy that richness and the fellowship. Down through the blood of Jesus, they've been brought near. And now we can gather together in His name and enjoy this incredible fellowship. It's beautiful, is it not? The family of God. Now, I know, I know some of y'all are struggling right now because you're looking at your family. And your family might be struggling a little bit. You might have a little, they call it dysfunctionality in the family. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you may have that. I don't know what you came from or what you were upbringing. Your, your idea of family might be so messed up. I mean, there may be all kinds of things that might be hindering you right now from even enjoying or thinking about with great joy the family of God. And don't get me wrong, God's family, I'm not talking about the Lord, but I'm talking about His children have acted all kinds of ways in, throughout history. But she's still beautiful. And she's glorious. The Bible says here later on in Ephesians, she's a bride and He's coming. The bridegrooms are coming for His bride. And she's beautiful and she's glorious and she's beautiful, perfect, holy and pure. Members of God's family means that we have a close connection with our Heavenly Father. Jesus revolutionized prayer when the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, you know what? Start with this, our Father. Let's just stop right there. He's your daddy. He's your Heavenly Father that knows you by name. Let's just stop right there. He knows you intimately, personally, right now. He cares so deeply for you. Not only that, but he talks about participants in God's temple. I love the word here. Cornerstone is the foundation of this temple. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. The cornerstone was a major part of any kind of structural building, right? It had to be strong enough to support what was built on it. But it was also intentional because it was not just supportive, but it was the one that gave orientation to the whole building. In other words, everything was in line based on that cornerstone. The cornerstone was so critical that it unified everything, the entire building, helped it come together to make one perfect, beautiful facility. The same with Jesus Christ and God's kingdom, God's family, God's building. Jesus is that cornerstone. He is the one that makes everything beautiful, bringing it together. In fact, the word here, this word in Greek means fit together. That in Him, we're joined together, fitted together. I love that word. It refers to the careful 
uh, implementation of the components of these pieces. In, 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 in the first century, it might have referred to the, the way someone might arrange a room. The furniture, some of y'all are good at this, like furniture and coverings in different places. In the same context, God has placed every one of us purposely in this family. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one directing it, putting it, orchestrating everything together. And I'm telling you, I hope this encourages you. Every one of you who is a child of God today, please, there's a place and a purpose for your life. You're not here by happenstance. You're not defective. You're not, you're not missing anything. God has called you, placed you, put you there exactly where he wants you to be. And what's a beautiful thing is that God has knit us together for one reason. So that his spirit, his presence would dwell there. That we would have the joy of gathering together in his name. And just proclaiming his goodness. Seeing the spirit of God resonate, feel our hearts as children of God. Now here's my closing with this. Uh, just give me a minute. Please hear me. It's through the blood. And I've shared with you, I've been over and over, week after week, it's through the blood of Jesus, the suffering that he did on the cross, the death of our Lord. Yes, we remember. But it's only through his blood that was shed that aliens become citizens. Strangers become family. Idolaters become the true temple of the true living God. People that are hopeless Inherit the promises of God. And those without Christ become one in Christ. Those who are what? Far away are brought near. And the godless are reconciled to the one true living God. Friend, here we are this morning. Please hear me. When I, when I share this word, I know it's something from a long time ago. But it's, it's, it's very practical, pressing, even so today. Because there are some of you here today that might feel that you're on the outside looking in. And you don't understand the hope that I might be even preaching about in Christ. Today's the day. Trust in Him. Turn to Him personally as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Father, we just want to come before You right now. God, we're, we just come to this moment where we talk about a response, a time to respond to the Word, to the worship. God, more than anything right now, I pray that You would have Your way in this house right now. God, I pray that you would just right now call people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, that you would bring people back. Maybe those that have drifted away now have been brought back through the blood of Jesus. And we come celebrating that today. Father, more than anything, have your way in this moment. Be glorified in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, church. Gavin, and then we're going to sing a song of invitation. But let me say to you, this is your opportunity to respond the Lord's leading you today. Sing this, church. Here we go.